Oh, we want to watch the whole movie. All right? So, well, you got a little glimpse of, like, uh, Eric and I's personality behind the scenes and how we make decisions. <laughs> so, uh, the, the purpose of this series, uh, uh, we, we found ourselves with, with, with the gift of three weeks uh, 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 just after our previous series and the start of Pathways, and we were talking about, you know, what would be something that would uh, give us a platform to talk about bigger issues, and, and we came up with this idea of streaming, and uh, just each one of the uh, teaching pastors, uh, Pastor Dan, Pastor Eric, and I, coming up with uh, one of the movies that had the greatest impact in our lives and, and felt like it had the greatest cultural significance. And uh, so the three of us decided to do that. And uh, then Pastor Dan came to me and he said, Mark, I am so busy uh, creating the journey of, of Pathways. You know, you think it's okay if, if uh, I just don't teach and would you like to take my, uh, my movie? And I'm like... Pfft. I'm a selfish guy. Sure, I'll take two movies. So, uh, so the three movies that we're going to be doing is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Babette's Feast, and Big Fish. So you get three guesses, and the first two don't count. Which one is Pastor Eric's movie? So I'm not telling you which week he's doing because I want you to come. <laughs> so this week, though, we're, we're doing the good, the bad, and the ugly, one of uh, my all-time favorite movies, and I also think it's uh, one of the most important cultural movies, makes an important cultural statement uh, in, in, in America. Now, uh, somebody said, do you know that good, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly is an R-rated movie? Well, it was an R-rated movie. I don't even know if we would get a PG rating on it, honestly, uh, today. This almost reminds me when uh, my family and I first moved here, we went to Wakulla Springs uh, for the anniversary of The Creature from the Black Lagoon, right? And they were doing an outdoor showing the movie, and they, uh, but they... They had a movie before the big, you know, production of uh, The Creature of the Black Lagoon. They were doing The Blob. So I'm sitting there with my, my lovely bride and my, and my daughter and my three-year-old son, and we're all watching The Blob together, where halfway through the movie The Blob, my son turns to me, my three-year-old son, he goes, Papa, why are they all afraid of Jell-O? <laughs> so, the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, is definitely, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a violent, it's a violent film set in the Civil War times, and, you know, it's a Western and things like that, but uh, I think it transcends, really, it, it's, its rating uh, because I believe that it made such a bold proclamation in our culture. You see, the good, the bad, and the ugly 
was originally released on December 23rd, 1966. It's hard to believe, like everybody's like, whoa, you know. But uh, that's when it was released. And in my opinion, this, this movie was, was making a, a proclamation about the, the merits of uh, situational morality. You know, you think about it, if those of you who've seen Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, just real quick so I know who I'm talking to you. All right, half of you, you know, you're not saved. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I won't tell you which half, though. Uh, so, but it's, 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 an, it's an important movie because before that movie, like the good guys were 100% good and the bad guys were 100% bad. And in this movie, it kind of blew that whole thing up and... And you have these three guys, these three characters, and they're, and they're known as the good, the bad, and, and the ugly. And the only reason you know they're the good guys, the good guys, because, well, it's Clint Eastwood, so we know he's the star, right? But also they, they show his picture and they say the good. But in the movie, if you've seen the movie, you know, not so good. Like, I mean, it's hard. Like, he's not any better than the bad guy, Tuco, who was, uh, and, and, then, uh, and then the ugly, Angel Eyes, which honestly, and, and, and I love this movie. I, I hadn't seen the, that's the original trailer. I always uh, kind of thought as Tuco is the ugly and Angel Eyes is the bad, but, but it just kind of goes to show you it's all interchangeable in, in the, in the uh, director's eyes, Sergio Leone. In his eyes, he's making a broad or a, a bold proclamation here that, that there, all truth is relative. All morality is subject to the, to the circumstance. I even think that the release date of December 23rd the eve of Christmas Eve, the, 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 the date that Christians around the world celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, truth incarnate, that, that we have here the good, the bad, and the ugly, where you have no idea who's the good, who's the bad, and, and who's the ugly unless we're told, because they all have this kind of, uh, none of them have a moral high ground. And just, and just saying, hey, essentially, America, the world, there's no truth. You can't know truth. It's all subjective. And that flies right in the face of, of Jesus coming who proclaimed that he, ego sum vita veritas vita, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here we have in stark contrast that this is really the beginning of the cultural revolution, the postmodern mindset that there is no centralized truth that binds us all. Now, I'm not bashing the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think it's one of the best films ever made. 
But it's one of the best films ever made because it makes a cultural, it is a cultural artifact in a specific date in time that where the mainstream media threw off all pretenses of saying, you know what? We believe that there is a truth. In fact, the good, the bad, and the ugly made the statement, uh, you know, that us saying, you know what? We believe that Christ is the way. The good, the bad, the ugly makes the statement that the way is the one you choose and it is morally no better or no worse than any other way. Christ says, I am the truth. Well, in the good, the bad, and the ugly, and really in our 21st century, truth is only a matter of perspective. It's true to you. Christ says he's the life. Well, really in this movie, it's the first time where it culturally says, you know what, life is just what you can grab of it right now. In this circumstance, and you don't know if you have a tomorrow, just, you know, grab everything you can today. Before the good and the bad and the ugly, good, good characters were good and bad characters were bad and ugly characters, well, well, they were ugly, right? And this message of, of situational morality or relativism, if you will, stands in stark contrast to Jesus when he said in John 14, 16 that some ego, some vita veritas, veritas vita, that I am the truth and the life, that nobody comes to the Father except through me. And I believe that this is for the church and those of us who are Christians, that this is one of the most pivotal questions that we can answer in our heart and mind to have completely settled that that are we people of truth or are we people of something else? Or another way to phrase the question as I wrote for us today is, is there such a thing as truth? And if there is truth, can a person know that truth? And I believe how a person answers that question largely will dictate how they view Jesus. So I was thinking about this scripturally like, you know, the whole Bible, you know, is, is about illuminating God and, and illuminating truth and things like that. But I was like trying to think, you know, is there a story in Jesus's life that, that really illustrates kind of this tension? And I believe there is. It's found in John chapter 8. And you may want to turn there. And, and it starts in verse 31, and it's actually a lengthy bit of Scripture for the, for the context of it, to get the whole context of the story. But I feel that this question is so important that, that we need to really just kind of listen to Jesus' words. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the Scripture of, of this kind of this moment in time that happened in Jesus' life. Then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to pull out three different statements and just kind of um, uh, illuminate or, or, or just expand on those, and we'll discuss those in a little uh, more detail. So if you open up your Bibles to John chapter 8, starting in verse 31, 
Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean, you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there is no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the, the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. For you are the, uh, and you love, excuse me, and you love to do evil things just as he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father, father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truly, truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. The people retorted, you Samaritan devil. Didn't we say that you, that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I don't have a demon inside me. For I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. The people said, now we know that you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and his prophets died, and the prophets died, but you say anyone who obeys my teachings will never die? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think 
you are. Mm, mm, mm. Jesus answered, if I wanted to glorify myself, it doesn't count. But if my Father who will glorify me, but say, He is our God, but you don't even know Him. I know Him. If I said otherwise, I'd be as great as a liar as you. But I do know Him and obey Him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming, and he was glad. Then the people said, you're not even 50 years old. How can you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. And then like, boom! There you had it. It's like when, when you... You know, there's that thing in the room and nobody says it. And then finally somebody says it and like everything changes. There you have it. Everybody understood what Jesus was saying there. People who say that Jesus never claimed to be God have not read the Bible. The people of Israel knew exactly what he was saying. That's why in verse 59, they picked up stones to throw it at him. Not because they misunderstood him because they were crystal clear on what he was saying. So I just want to take a moment and just, and just pray as we kind of unpack this together and just pray that God will illuminate our hearts. <clears throat> Dear God, I just feel that this is such a pivotal question in our culture, the church, to Christians. Can we know truth? And how do we know truth? And that you say, ego sum via veritas vita, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And God, I just pray that you will open up our hearts and minds and give us clarity because this question is so important because you say that you are the father of truth and that Satan is the father of lies. God, I just pray that we can know truth that we can be bold in the truth, bold in our homes and in our workplaces and in our country and in our world. God, I just pray for those Christians right now who are standing up for the truth in Egypt, who are being slaughtered, who are being killed for being people of truth, for the churches that are being burnt and the families being destroyed. God, I just pray that you will just cut through the evil of lies that are all around them and just bring peace in their hearts as heaven is being filled with your martyrs, or Egyptian martyrs or your Christians right now. God, we as the church cry out as for our brothers and sisters who are being murdered for the truth right now. 
God, make them have a testimony of love in a chaotic world. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think that there's at least three statements about truth that, that Jesus makes here in stark contrast to Sergio Leone's uh, 1966 classic, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. That Jesus is making a case that you can know truth and that he is the truth. And I want to unpack those statements because it's Jesus' proclamation in order that, that we can really wrestle with this because I really think it, for those of us who are Christians that this comes and right, cuts right to the core of who we are. So in verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So supposedly, you know, a semi at least uh, friendly audience. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then they go on and tell you, know, like, about we're descendants of Abraham and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. Then he follows it up. So if the son has set you free, you are free indeed, or you are truly free. And in chapter 8, this chapter begins with this whole debate on the truthfulness of Jesus's life. And here we come back to this subject of truth, and it's emphasized with this idea of freedom. And here we have the the connection point where Jesus is saying, you know what? Truth and freedom go hand in hand. And I think this idea of, of, and you will know the truth and, and the truth will set you free has become a very popular kind of uh, saying in academia, right? That, that many colleges uh, and universities that, you know, you've probably seen it on the libraries or, or entering into the university, they, they take Jesus' words and say, know the truth and the truth will set you free. You've seen that, right? You've seen that at universities and everything. Well, hey, that's from Jesus. And, uh, but what they're doing is, is they're taking that knowledge and making it an a intellectual knowing. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not making a statement against education, mind you. He's just not talking about what my, my grandparents would call book smarts, right? Not talking about book smarts. He's actually going into something much deeper that I believe the Hebrew language has the best word for it is yada, is knowing by experience. Right before, remember, he was talking about, hey, you want to know freedom? Follow me. You want to know truth? Follow me. Be my disciple. Follow my footsteps. And here we have the greatest distinction that that Jesus is not talking about doctrine or knowledge of the religion of Christianity. People who are atheists, Muslim, Hindu, Whatever, they know about the religion of Christianity. They know that the most devout among us 
on Thanksgiving, we leave our families and put tents up in front of department stores so we can punch our neighbor and get a $100 Xbox. They know about the religion of Christianity. They know that on Easter you are meant to put on a bonnet and a flowery dress and you must bathe your children and put a clip-on tie on the boys and drag them to church. Know about the religion of Christianity. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Intellectual knowledge of those things do not set you free. What sets you free is yada, knowing by experience. Not knowing in the sense of, oh, Jesus was born in a manger and lived 33-ish years and then was nailed to a cross and then rose again for my sins. I'm not saying knowledge is bad. I'm just saying that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What Jesus is talking about here is actually having a real personal transformational relationship with Him where you know Him and He knows you, that you trust Him and you are living a life that, of worship that glorifies Him. And these are the things that He is talking about. And He's saying, you know what? That kind of knowledge, a knowledge by experience, a, a knowledge by having an experience with me and walking with me and eating with me and drinking with me and knowing me is going to be such a transformational experience that you will actually be freed from your bondage. So that's the first radical statement that is in stark contrast to Sergi Leone's classic, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. The next one that he makes is in verse 44. It says, For you are the children of your father, the devil, Belzebub, Satan. You are the children of the father of lies. And you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus here with his legendary gentleness with religious people. All right, I have, to, I have to explain this. Have you ever noticed in the Bible, whenever there's somebody broken and they're humble, I think about like the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery, we get this picture of Jesus getting on their level and saying, you know what? I love you 
I know your true name. I know where you've been, and I want to be in relationship with you because you are beautiful in God's sight. That's, that's how Jesus interacts with broken, messy people, with disreputable sinners, with people who are hurting. He's like this gentle shepherd. That's one Jesus. That's the Jesus we like. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Just go hug me and everything. And then there's the, there's the other Jesus, the Jesus I like. He's the Jesus with the, the religious guys and the hats and, and everything. He's like, you brood of vipers. Your daddy is the devil. Yeah, you guys don't like that Jesus. I love that Jesus. I'm like, yeah, hit him again, hit him again. Yes. Does that joke make more sense now? All right, legendary kindness or gentleness with religious people. Okay, there you go. We're up to speed. Okay, where was I? Okay, give me a second here. Connect with somebody. I don't know. I can totally. Okay. Yes, you. He's talking about how they're the descendants of 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 the devil, who, by the way, is a murderer and a liar. And this this actually, this is so this is so cool because who is he talking to? Religious people. Who are the religious people he's talking to? Jewish people, right? You know, and and. People uh, of God. So, and they know the Torah. They know, they know all the stories and everything. And what Jesus is doing here is actually pulling them. See, they're saying who their father is, not God, but who's the other father they're talking about. They're Abraham. They're like, we're children of Abraham. And Jesus is like, not so much. You see... Father Abraham, yeah, many sons, right? I'm sorry. You all went there, and I had to go too. Maybe Eric, we can get Eric to play that song for us. All right, we got Abraham, who's, who who is is of truth. He's you know, uh, but he's like, no, 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 not Father Abraham. Let me take you a little bit farther back. You want to know your real history? You want to know really, you know, your, your, why you can't see the truth? Why you can't understand the truth? Why you can't be excited like Abraham would be that the Messiah has come? You want to know why? You have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. This is what Jesus is doing. All the way back to there was this man and this woman. And the serpent came, and he whispered these lies into the woman's ear and said, you know what? If you eat of this tree, you can be like God. And her and her husband, they bought into that lie. And then they ate of that lie. And then they took on their sin names, their their fallen names, Adam and Eve. And then they had some two boys, Cain and Abel. And from that serpent of lies came murder one generation later. 
And what Jesus is doing here is saying, you know what? Your attitudes, your not believing the truth, you not being able to see that I am Emmanuel, God with us, shows that your daddy, that your true father is not Abba. It's not Abraham, but it is a serpent. It is the serpent of lies and murder and distrust and brokenness and disease and war and all of these things. And this was the next statement that he was making. Making this distinction of when we when we live out our sin nature, when we, when we don't adhere to the truth and we are liars or when we, we do less than what God desires and has envisioned for us, when we are not charitable and when we do not show grace and when we do not love, that we are actually living in the heritage of of the evil one, of Satan. And then the final statement in verse 38, and this is the big one. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. And in this statement, Jesus makes the unimaginable statement that he is God. And this is the statement that I think, you know, we go back to this, this question, is there such a thing as truth? And if there is truth, can a person know truth? And this is the statement that really shows your spiritual heritage. Does that statement make you want to pick up rocks and throw? Or does it? Or does it make you want to extend your hands and embrace? I mean, same hands can murder or heal. The same hands can choke or hug. The same hands can steal or give food to the hungry. Really quite amazing when you think about it. I think your answer determines everything. When you hear Jesus say, ego sum, via, veritas, vita, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What do your hands want to do? Do they want to hurt or do they want to hold and love? And I think that this is the statement. Is there such a thing as truth? And can a person know that truth? What I believe is if you... Yada, Jesus. If you 
know Jesus by experience, then you will know truth. And the truth will set you free. You guys pray. 